Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples, and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the unreached. Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at CINAMI.org. That's CINAMI.org. Or call 559-370-4103. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Dr. Stephen Hayes joins us once again. The book is called Pro-Social, Using Evolutionary Science to Build Productive, Equitable, and Collaborative Groups. He was one of the top psychologists in the nation, at least voted in the late 90s, and he's here and welcome. I'm glad to be here with you again. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Yeah, glad to be here with you. We, we are interested in your book because in business, it could be when people put groups together and learning how to deal with groups in college and just in life. Just that social element, the psychology of it, you know, we don't always get this right. And so it's something that we have to, to live with, even if you want a social life. But uh, tell us a little bit about the book Pro-Social. Well, what it brings together is the work that uh, I've been doing for a long time on how to be more psychologically flexible within as, as an individual, but then scaling that to groups. And what we relied on was something that the late uh, Eleanor Ostrom won a Nobel Prize for in 2009. 
she uh, was a political scientist and kind of shocked the world with her uh, Nobel in economics. Most economics folks had never heard of her. But what she had shown is that for thousands of years, people have figured out how to work together and cooperate and protect their common pool resources, their forests and lakes and fisheries and streams, without any top-down government command and control and without necessarily bottom-up uh, private property, stay off my land, uh, you know, and because the, the view was is that if you allow people to share and work together, inevitably it's either going to be selfish people coming and claiming everything, or uh, it, it was only, and, the, yeah, and that's only going to be restricted either by uh, bottom-up or, or top-down kind of control. But it turns out that's not true. You know, that's not the kind of people we are. We actually are kind of yearn to cooperate and work together, but that only happens in a context of trust and arranging your group in such a way that the common good can be the focus. And, you know, our spiritual and religious traditions have been central to doing that. And we need to sort of put that into our modern world in a whole bunch of different ways. You look around, they just turn on the television screen. It's a bit of a horror. I think we all know something's wrong and our, our sense of cooperation, perspective taking, working together, sharing, protecting uh, it is uh, weakening. And uh, it turns out you can use uh, a pretty good set of principles that, uh, you know, they don't give out the Nobel Prize just to anybody uh, to help combine our own values and awareness of what we really care about with uh, common action with others. If we arrange the conditions properly, that people can trust that uh, cooperation is the safe way to go. All right. So translation, it's hard to get along with people. <laughs> it, it is. And it's hard to trust them because, of course, people are selfish at times. We have that aspect to us. But we kind of yearn to be part of cooperative groups working for a common good. And, you know, that vision of human beings that's in the homo economicus, you know, the, it's all about greed. It's just a, a lie. And it, it does turn out that way if you, if you let it go awry. But we can arrange our groups in such a way that the best of us is brought out and sort of angels of our nature are allowed to, to play. And it's a when you hear the principles, they're so common sense. You go like, well, of course, duh. But the, despite the fact they're common sense, many of the groups we establish in our you know, businesses and homes and church groups and charitable groups and social groups and all the things we do together are set up in such a way that they encourage selfishness instead of uh, cooperation. And if when we see how to do it, uh, then we can combine that uh, personal work we do about what are our values, you know, staying open to our own experience, being able to sort of be here in a way that's more mindful and aware. Yeah, with they, with socially extending that, and they did that with Jesus, you know, and they were the disciples were around Jesus, and and you you think that uh, they'd feel safe in his presence, being around him. Instead, they said, um, "Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, already they're they're arguing among themselves who's going to be the greatest, and even with uh, you know the Lord incarnate right there, uh, you say there's like a dominant cultural worldview that provided the background for the development of Charles Darwin's theory of natural selection. It assumed that God's creation was well-designed from top to bottom, from the stars in heaven to the tiniest insect. 
And, uh, you know, you see that today. There's a certain dominance, you know, the person who has that corner office and they could be a bit of a bully. You see that in the workplace, don't you? You sure do. And and what are you going to do about that? So, it, you know, if I could put a few of these, there's eight principles that for which uh, Lynn won the Nobel. She showed with the arduous research with water systems in Nepal and uh, forests in Africa and fisheries uh, uh, around the world that, you know, we have for thousands of years being, been working together, protecting the planet, taking care of each other at our best. And when does that happen? And when does it go awry? And so part of it is, is the sense of we're in it together. We have a common purpose. We have a kind of an agreed upon vision for why we're together. But then we have ways of making decisions that we agree to. We're uh, distributing resources in a way that are fair. If there's a conflict, we know how to resolve that quickly. We're monitoring whether or not people are cheating or, or doing what their agreements are. And we're confronting people when they're going awry or awarding people when they're doing well, but in a graded way, not in an off-with-your-head kind of scary way. And those are five of the eight. If you think about it, everything I've said are duh, aren't they? I mean, they're just kind of obvious. Well, but you yet, make it sound good, it's though. It's not what we do. <laughs> It's not what we do very often. For example, we allow unfairness to get into the group. Let's say, you know, the leader takes all, but we haven't really agreed to that. It doesn't feel fair, but it, it, people are afraid to confront it because they feel as though there's not in a common agreement or what are we trying to do here? And if we do get into a disagreement, you sense that, well, maybe I'm going to be then called out. I'm going to be attacked. I'm not going to be able there's no process that we've agreed on as how to work through. Or we've set up this culture that's very, uh, that's very uh, critical where that kind of off with your head uh, uh, culture where the least little, uh, uh, you know, violation. And I have to say, you know, although I'm kind of interested in this kind of extended evolutionary model, not this kind of bottom-up genes made me do it model, sometimes that's been used to justify you know, the greed is good kind of view that it's all about survival of the fittest and stuff. That's not really what that science shows. What it, it shows is that the kind of creatures that we are, we're wired to cooperate. That's why we've been so successful. You just put an individual human being out in the savannah and there are big tigers and lions and things are going to compete with bigger teeth they're faster, they're stronger. But when we work together, we can do anything. So, how do we do that? We have to do it when you can trust that your values come shared can be put into the group in a way where you're not going to be suddenly uh, on the short end of the stick without any recourse. It has to be fair and uh, with a way to, uh, to, to work together and to reward each other for doing what we really want to try to accomplish. We want to be right back with Dr. Stephen Hayes. The book is called Pro-Social, Using Evolutionary Science to Build Productive, Equitable, and Collaborative Groups. You're going to learn a lot about how you deal with the work or business, uh, everything that it goes on in your life, even your social life. Uh, stay with us right after this. 
God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees, available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Dr. Stephen Hayes and the book ProSocial, Using Evolutionary Science to Build Productive, Equitable, and Collaborative Groups. And so uh, what do you think people struggle with the most, Dr. Hayes, when it comes to uh, groups, I remember being in high school, and uh, I just wanted to be alone, you know, and I thought it was so hard to have to be part of some activity or group, and you say that this is the tension, which is life, you have to give up something to get something. Are we healthier when we're social? We sure are. We kind of, you know, we, we you can show it even uh, from birth. I mean, if you take a, a baby, brand new baby, and you uh, look at the baby in its eyes, kind eyes, the baby starts dumping natural opiates. And so does the mom or dad too. Uh, you know, that connection uh, is so important to us. And you think about, you know, why the smiles of a baby or the eyes of a baby and so forth are, are, are so attractive to us because we're kind of uh, wired to, to take care of each other. And, and, you know, our, our youngsters are in the developmental period for longer than almost any animal on the planet. And they're completely helpless when they're born. But what they do know how to do is to recognize the group, to connect. That baby can, for example, if, if the mother's eyes look in a different direction, the baby's eyes will look in that direction. Hmm. For a gorilla baby, it's only if the whole head turns, and even that comes in later. And you know, part of the reason is we, we're even wired to do that. I mean, look at the, we have whites around our eyes. We're the only primate that ha- does that. We thought about that. Normal primates don't have white behind their eyes. The only way that you can see from a distance where they're looking is where they're oriented, where their body is oriented. So the, you know, the group is so important to us that it's even over time, you know, structured a physiology in such a way that we can understand what each other wants and that we can work together to achieve that. And that's our strength. That's our magic. That's what we really bring to the table. I was yeah. on a plane the other day, and um, you know, I saw this uh, three-year-old uh, on the plane just walk up. The mother said it was okay to walk up to a four-year-old. And uh, it went something like this. She said, um, Where are the slime bunnies? <laughs> I'm three. I'm four. And she said, I was three last time. And they were, I was, everybody was amazed that they were social, that they were getting along, that it was, they were bonding instantly and in such a peaceable way. No, I mean, it doesn't seem like they had been born long enough for them to know how to do that. Yeah. Isn't that sweet? And, and we see that innocence there in our children. And then we look, I'm sorry, themselves, and sometimes feel a little bit ashamed about how yes. defensive and arrogant and, you know, egoistic and so forth we have become. But of course, that all happens when language comes in. You know, the natural innocence of babies falls away as we sort of climb into, uh, you know, it isn't the the uh, tree in the garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge. I mean, as, as soon as you 
have that, you know, you have capacity for shame and, you know, even in that, that, uh, you know, the uh, creation story, even before God comes and scolds uh, Adam for having violated uh, the, the trust and the, and the rule, he's already ashamed. He's already hiding. Where are you? I'm over here, Lord. I'm, I'm naked. Who told you you're naked? Have you <laughs> eaten from the tree? You know, so when we have language come in, now we start thinking, here's how we're going to belong. We're going to be special. We'll be especially great. We'll be especially grand. Or we're especially needy. We're especially weak. Here, help me. And that isn't the connection that happens naturally between very young children or that baby and, and, and the mother that where we belong in connection and yes. in consciousness. Instead, it's this pretense, this persona, the Greek word for mask, you know, it, the mask we put on of being great and grand or weak and sad and pathetic. Why? So that we can belong. But we belong already. That's the kind of, we're, we are the creatures that, come together in consciousness and awareness and create common action for the good of others. And so how to do that, it feels very natural. I mean, people are uplifted by it. You know, I'm a clinical psychologist. If you're working with somebody who's, let's say, depressed, and you get them to start focusing on the good of others, man, depression becomes the least of their worry. Instead of focusing within and judging and a feeling as though you're inadequate and so forth. So the innocence of children is a, is a guide, but it's a guide also to how we're going to have to rein in our judgmental mode of mind. And you asked what's most difficult. I think that's it. I think uh, we tend to climb into pretense out of the self-judgments that we have instead of you know, settling into the connection of others in consciousness and, and working together for the good. Yeah, of those kids, you know, uh, I was going to say they they were teaching the people on the plane a thing or two and they were all they sure were and, uh, you know, getting along just wonderfully. We're going to learn more with Dr. Stephen Hayes in just a bit. And we just to let you know, Dr. Hayes is Nevada Foundation Professor in Behavior Analysis Program at the Department of Psychology at the University of Nevada an author of 44 books and nearly 600 scientific articles. He knows his stuff. And again, he was voted one of the top uh, psychologists in the nation. We'll come back in just a bit. We want to find out a little bit more. In fact, uh, maybe we'll just take a look at like the Animal Kingdom, those shows that you watch on television, and to see if we can learn behavior and social behavior. Maybe we mimic some of that. We'll be right back right after this. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adult learner and all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. 
everyone, Athena Dean Holtz with Redemption Press here. Are you a coach, pastor, blogger, small group leader, thought leader, ministry, or industry professional with a message that could benefit others? If so, we'd love to help you produce a professional book that can open new doors and be an impact to other people's lives. We'd love to hear about your idea and see how we can help with our personalized writing coaches and professional editorial team. Visit redemption-press.com. We're here with Dr. Stephen Hayes. It's an interesting book called Pro-Social, Learning About Evolutionary Science to Build Productive, Equitable, and Collaborative Groups. It doesn't always feel comfortable being in groups. Uh, There can be an awkwardness to it. And uh, who does best in groups? Do we ever learn to kind of, uh, it seems like when I look at my life, right? It was kind of shaped in high school. I actually feel the same way about groups. Isn't that terrible that it hasn't really changed a whole lot, you know? But uh, I, I do find, though, that people who learn to, to uh, you know, play their part and, and get along and act in groups uh, well have a more balanced life. They seem that they get along in adjusting with the stressors in life. Uh, what is that tension that goes on as far as what we have to give, how we hold back or hold out when it comes to groups? Well, I think precisely because we yearn to connect so much. I mean, if you think back about really important events in your life, I bet you often it's social. If you think about, you know, really what you'd want to do, what your values are, what you really careful care about, I bet you it has a social aspect, even if it's private. You know, I love producing art. Yeah, for what? To 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 show to others. I, you know, I'm I'm interested in dance. For what? To show to others. I mean, so. Precisely because we care about it so much, when you went back to those, you know, kind of middle school, high school kind of memories, you know, and you kind of cringe at some things you did or were done to you and, and, and how painful that was, it challenges us because of how important it is. And so we need to be, learn how not to. Easy. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, nobody teaches you how to get along in a group. No, they sure don't. And, and, you know, you get that early training. You look at kids, they're so direct with, with each other and, you know, go away, you, you stink, you know, that kind of thing with little kids. Yeah, but by the time you, you get to 20 or 30, if, you, if you've ever been at a party where somebody's coming up and they're kind of boring you, you do everything you can not to show it. You don't say, actually, what you're saying right now is a little boring and a little self-centered. I, I, I'm, I'm not feeling as particularly close to you right now. You're not going to say that. You're going to say, oh, I think uh, I got to go get a beer. Oh, nice to talk to you. Uh, You actually start lying. And so, you know, it's hard for us to learn because the window closes. And uh, what the science shows is that there are certain kinds of things you can do that prepare yourself psychologically because you have to be open to your own values and to your own pain. But you also have to be able to allocate your attention in a way that's flexible and fluid and voluntary to what's going on and take the perspective of others. You have to go behind the eyes of others and feel what it feels like to be them. And if you can do all that, then you have to arrange the social structure in such a way that the actual things you do are safe because we're not going to put ourselves into unsafe situations repeatedly if, if things go awry. So... Uh, yeah, it's precisely because uh, it's important is why it's so hard. 
there must be, you know, the scientific research where you get two people in a group. I guess you can call that a group, right? Sure it is. And uh, then you get a third person and a fourth. And when does it go awry? You know, sometimes you there's that person that, <laughs> that enters the group and it changes the dynamic where they say, I don't know if we should invite such and such because it might just. And uh, it, it is amazing that you can bring science into, you know, monitoring and understanding groups. Yeah, well, there's an interesting example because there's two things that you've raised. One is that as groups get bigger, eventually the personal connection has to be kind of rearranged and you have to find groups, a way to nestle the groups together, groups within groups. If you're part of a large uh, a company, for example, you know that it's just not possible for a thousand people to sort of think about the whole thousand, even a hundred is a stretch. But you can, you know, think of, you know, 10 or 15 or 20. You go beyond that, then you're going to have to find a way to have groups, but also groups of groups. And it turns out the design principles, what uh, Lynn Ostrom won the Nobel for, uh, scale. They move at any scale. And so in the same way that you have to have a common purpose, you have a proportional equivalence of costs and benefits, you got to be able to you know, monitor how you're doing and confront violations gradually, have a way of resolving conflicts. That is true between two people, but it's also between, let's say, two wings of the same company or between this company and that company or between the cities and the nation or the nations in the world. I mean, it scales at all levels. Do you think that people are, are less prepared? I mean, I'm talking about even corporate America or even any, it could be a school system, but do you think that that's a weak link for people? They just, they don't really understand or don't have that kind of insight to really understand the dynamic of their organization. I think that's exactly right. And here's what happens. At every level, selfishness can kind of come in. So think about your relationship, let's say, with your partner. You know, if it's not a, a you know, a 50-50, or I like actually saying 100%, 100%, in which, you know, both persons are responsible for taking care of the relationship and, and they're monitoring it and they're being trying to be fair and they're sort of stepping into that. If one person decides, hey, I just want more from me. In fact, I want more and more from me. You know, the, the couple is at threat. I just but, had that conversation. I just had that argument, sorry, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well... But then, but then think about how easy it is when you're thinking about, let's say, mm, a party where a whole bunch of couples are together, where you can do the same thing at that level. You start thinking, oh, I don't really want to bring the pie this time. There's enough. I think I'll just go and eat. I mean, mm. I'm busy. I'm th- well, now you're, you're doing at the couple level to other couples what you wouldn't do at the individual level. Yes. And then it scales and it scales and it scales. So you see that, for example, you know, sometimes people really organize their company or their business in a way that's very fair, very, it's sharing, it's opening. I care about the perspective of others. We come together. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a democracy. It can be a, you know, it could be that I'm the leader and I I decide, but that has to be understood. It has to be kind of agreed to. You still have to listen and have a way of resolving conflicts and so forth. There's lots of way of organizing decision-making, but it has to be perceived as fair and it has to have ways of resolving conflicts and maintain the perspective of others. And yet that same person may turn into some sort of really selfish and even unethical person when they're in competition with other companies. Well, it's the same thing. You see that, you know, people start out the right way and then you see that that yeah. uh, they go the wrong direction. You wonder how, how that happens. And it happens a lot. 
where people become unscrupulous. And, and Well, and I think one of the things we're seeing on our television screens is we are now into a place where we do really need to think about the good of the whole world. I mean, if, if, if China decides, I'm just going to pollute as, as much as I want. You know, we're a poor country. We're getting great. I think we'll just, you know, and it's, and, you know, in fact, if you go visit China, which I've done, you know, sometimes you can't even breathe the air because they, they and now they're realizing, wait a minute, but it doesn't stay by national borders. I mean, sometimes their bad smog days in Beijing blows over to the West Coast of the USA. And you bought you bought your laptop recently, right? With the, I'm yes. sorry, the tariffs are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so, and you see this tension happening around the world. Where how are we? That doesn't mean a one world government. It doesn't mean we just have to give up our sovereignty or thing any more than if you had a shared party, you have to suddenly dissolve your relationship with your partner. No, it means fairness. It means values. It means perspective taking. You know, it, it means bringing the same things that you know create small groups uh, as effective and scaling it. So at every level, we have to watch out for a tendency for selfishness, take perspective, take the longer view, and find a way to pursue common action. And what that does is it uplifts us all. It, when You function so much better if you're as an individual as part of effective small groups. But that's true when you go to groups of groups, the same thing is true. Dr. Hayes, I see that in kind of like picture form when you watch National Geographic or those, you know, Animal Planet. Is there any truth to that, that that's one of the reasons perhaps that we see ourselves in, in animals? They talk about, you know, the dominance and the, the lion or they show how people gang up on certain animals and there's the weak group and then, then there's those that uh, adapt in the group. Uh, it seems like it's almost like a microcosm of, you know, interpersonal behavior. And uh, perhaps that's why we watch those shows. I don't know. I think I'm fascinated by them. And sometimes I, I feel they mimic real life. No, I, I think it is part of why we're fascinated by it, because we kind of see kind of how nature works. And not uh, all uh, animals are as cooperative as, as we are, for sure. But they they show those moments that kind of reveal both the good and the bad of us. And I, I think it, uh, it, it kind of is, it's like your example of watching very, very young children. It's the same kind of thing. You, you begin to see something that you would miss otherwise in just our normal mindy adult life. And there's a reason why we pass around all those puppy pictures and kitty pictures and the, you know, the lion lying next to the lamb pictures, because there's something in there that, that is moving and of importance to us. I think we are yearning for a social fabric. And in the modern world, we've chopped it up. We've sliced and diced it. We've put so much pain and judgment into our children's hands with the computers we put in their pockets that it's really kind of overwhelming them. And, you know, they're creating artificial groups and virtual groups that sometimes are very harsh. You know, people will do things online that they would never do face-to-face. -face. And they can hide behind anonymity. There's no cost to it. You know, I would so, stay right there. I'm, we're going to talk about that, as a matter of fact. Social media and how that fits into the, the fray with the book Pro Social. Dr. Stephen Hayes, our special guest, using evolutionary science to build productive, equitable, and collaborative groups. We'll be right back. Every day, over three and a half million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school. 
every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children, to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at christianschoolmanagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact christianschoolmanagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's Word through a daily 30-minute podcast. From essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field. After only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcast. All right, back with Dr. Stephen Hayes and using evolutionary science to build productive, equitable, and collaborative groups. It's really amazing that you can do that. Uh, there's so many facets of life that have to do with being social, and one of them, of course, social media, hence that word. And so how does that fit into the picture as far as how does that change things from the way they used to be? Well, it creates a psychological challenge, and we have to you know, allow individuals to come into the situation in a way that's uh, open and effective, and then it creates a social challenge. So it, it creates it at two levels. The psychological challenge is, you know, even with non-human animals, if you expose them to a, you know, a diet of uh, comparison and pain, it, it, you know, an animal who's, who's being attacked or in pain is not doing very well. And the comparative thing, I mean, this is the you know, the workers in the field in the vineyard kind of story, you know, you look over and somebody else is doing better than you. Uh, Google a, a little uh, YouTube, just put in the word uh, monkey and cucumbers and you'll see uh, something which is very moving, a piece of work where, uh, you know, a monkey's working over here quite happily for cucumbers and then they put a monkey next door working for the same thing, same task, and that monkey's getting grapes the monkey starts throwing the cucumbers at the, at the animal care worker. Like, you know, it was fine that before I could see someone else getting grapes or that I don't want that damn cucumbers, yeah. you know? So, it, you know, this very kind of human, but now you can see on that computer in your pocket that there's a lot of people doing better than you are. Mm. Of course you're seeing their outsides, not their insides. You know, your insides, but you don't see their insides. So you're exposed to that flow of pain if something bad is happening that's a challenge to you and and the flow of judgment that kind of thing that you're not good enough so those three things really challenge us but then we come into the social level and these things that we yearn for that that Lynn Ostrom won the Nobel for of you know this proportional equivalence of costs and benefits for example well I've got a 14 year old and my house, who will only too readily tell me about how this YouTuber made, made a gazillion dollars instantly right. with no effort. You know, and then is that the message that we want to put inside our kids? Well, it isn't, but it's uh, kind of what is out there and they're held up almost as heroes, the, the influencers who sometimes they're being very successful for some reason other than their of their notoriety period end of story sometimes for things that are really not pro-social things in the first place uh, you can uh, avoid 
any kind of uh, negative sanctions for selfishness online. You can adopt a different persona. You can freely attack others. Nothing's going to happen. And it would be as if you could steal, rob, etc., and there were no consequences. That's a, not a good thing for us. I mean, we and we re, we can create environments like that through the social media, where people can kind of uh, say horrific things, and it's not good for their heart or the hearts of those they're attacking. But it's a a human frailty, and it, it violates one of the Nobel one of the Lindostrom's. Uh, design principles. Dr. Hayes, yeah. one last thing I, I thought I mentioned too, you know, they have like these uh, programs for social media or in, in business, Slack is one where you can, uh, you know, the company gets on this thing and, and uh, you can, yeah. it makes a terrible noise and then uh, it notifies them that uh, you know, you're wanted and that uh, I, there's a communication. There's so many of them. Uh, how does that factor in? I mean, it's hard enough as far as the the social dynamic in a workplace, but when you have those type of things going on and you have to respond to it in, in such a way, uh, does that put people in a, in a helpless situation and the people who are giving the orders, do they feel like really powerful because, you know, they're putting out these uh, commands and, uh, and they, it, you know, if you don't respond, I mean, it gets kind of crazy. You, you talk about, you know, if you're unhelpful in a group that people, can kind of turn, they recognize that. But what about if you don't respond so readily when it comes to emails and all these other things that are out there? It's it's yeah, little, and haven't we create we've created this very busy, judgmental, kind of harsh world. And I think people feel it. Mm. And if we're not careful, you know, if we allow technology to do what uh, to feed the kind of the the worst parts of us. Uh, we're going to reap the wind. I mean, we're going to we're going to suffer because of it. Superficially, it looks for let's say the person running the company. Hey, if I'm just in control and I know everything that's going on and I can, you know, see where everywhere and I can use big data and I can just no. But people don't like environments like that. They're more likely to leave. You're going to have a lot of staff turnover. You better have a big budget for constantly training staff, and you know, on and on uh, on it goes. So I I think. Uh, we're, we're, there's been a shock to our social system from how fast technology has moved. And we better sort of get wiser about how to create a, a kinder, more compassionate, softer, more uh, uh, values-based uh, uh, use of this technology, or it's going to run away with us. And I think you can feel it in some of the oh, yeah. mistakes that people are making. I mean, Enron happened for a reason. I mean, uh, uh, what was it called? Rank and Yank. And this guy actually appealed to evolution uh, as a reason for it, but it's it's a horrible form. It's the it's the tooth and claw version, not the really how it works, which is based on cooperation, where people would be evaluated constantly, and if you're in the lower fifth, they would actually pull you out and publicly shame you as you got fired. And what did that produce? It produced a social culture which people mm. just lied. They lied about their performance because they were afraid. And what did that produce? a massive multi-gazillion dollar failure that, you know, harmed the whole economy. So we better be wiser with what we're doing here. You and see that today, that uh, the companies say, go on Glassdoor and write something good. Even if it's like, you know, you, you work there like a week and they, you know, people want that. Uh, it's the, the, the pressure to go ahead and, uh, and conform that way. 
Well, one of the things I can share with you, you know, what we've done with ProSocial, if people are interested in exploring this, there's the book, uh, of course, but you can do it for free. Just go to uh, prosocial.world. There's the word prosocial, no hyphens, dot world, and you can find out what we're doing. And we're putting this into groups around the world, literally. It's been used in Africa and Asia and so forth in a really positive way. But we've, we, we did a little study where we looked at what happened during the economic downturn to companies and did they run their companies according to these principles or did, or did they violate these uh, principles that produce trust and cooperation and the ones that violated it, they were much more likely to fail. They did not grow as much. And the, the ones that followed these principles, they prospered despite the challenges. So there's a self interest in, working together with others in ways that produce cooperation because we're stronger when we cooperate. Duh. I mean, duh. And you're not going to get that through top down, do it my way or the highway. You have to find a way to sort of meet people where they are and invite them into a values-based journey of living a values-based life for the, for the, for the good of the group and the good of others, and then scale it, scale it in such a way that you don't then become selfish at the higher levels uh, just because you're successful at lower levels. Coming back with Dr. Stephen Hayes in just a bit, want to talk about aligning interests. Of course, it's a comprehensive program, the book Pro Social, to help groups of all sizes align interests, support cooperation, achieve shared goals, and doing it with evolutionary science. And that's uh, amazing. We'll be right back after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Dr. Stephen Hayes, our special guest, and uh, I want to ask you, uh, when it comes to aligning interests, because we've been talking about all the things that happen, the tension that we feel every single day, and so as far as resolving all that, uh, I guess two questions. One is within the, the science part of it and your research, what did you uh, get out of the book as far as they were putting into the book, as far as learning about social behavior in general? And secondly, how can we align interests? Because it seems, whether it be a company, a church, just getting everybody together is a very big deal. And so we keep referring to Rodney King. Can we all just get along here? Yeah, we can all just get along, but we can't do it just by trial and error because we're going to make as many mistakes as we make uh, uh, steps forward. And we are subject to selfishness. I mean, selfishness does produce an immediate short-term benefit. It undermines the group, but that happens within when we allow just one aspect of us to dominate over us. You know, if you're, uh, you know, this, this selfish kind of uh, push of, uh, you know, the immediate gratification of eating that uh, Thanksgiving uh, pumpkin pie that's still left there uh, may, may lead you with, uh, you know, several days of, oh, I ate too much, you know, so it happens within, it happens in couples, it happens at all scales. And, uh, you know, I think we can use science to guide us. And that, frankly, when we do that, here's one of the things that I think is kind of uplifting, is that we recognize this because we kind of know it, because it's in our culture and it's in our wisdom traditions and our spiritual traditions. I mean, we've been at this for a long time. 
And we do know something about how to create values-based groups that work together. But you uh, you don't do it just by by wishing. Can't we all get along? You have to create a context of trust where people can afford to care and to pursue and and to achieve and produce without the sense that what they're doing is going to be unfairly stolen by others, used by others, etc. And you know, many of us have been through painful experiences like that. So it takes a a bit of work. You have to stay at it of that combination of psychologically flexible and healthy folks coming together in a way that seems like it always turns awkward. abusive when, when I think about it. I mean, I think about some of these church fights, sorry, when people, think, you know, they do have infighting in the church and it gets uh, uh, abusive and, uh, you know, sometimes work just, uh, it turns abusive. It seems like uh, there's that dynamic of group behavior that unless uh, people buy your book, Unless we learn how to align, you know, align our values and, and make this thing work, especially with science to help us, that's important. I could say Christian values too. Um, sure. It doesn't seem to uh, to work, but I it's just it's a shame people go to work every day and they're part of a social context and it can be abusive. I mean, marriages can be abusive. Well, here I am talking negatively again, but anyway, the whole idea <laughs> of learn how to align our values and how we do it, and that's. You know, that's what well, you know, one of the tricky things about this is that values is really close to that word evaluation. And the part of values we want is that kind of leap of faith of caring. It's not the kind of finger wagging, you know, you know, hand rubbing Pharisees and Sadducees. Here's the rule book. It's not like that. And so and, and that's kind of what the science shows. And so I think sometimes we get into these self-righteous in the name sometimes of values that are bigger than us, but really look at it. No, it's, it's about pride. It's about self-righteousness. It's about being the great one, the grand one, the one in charge. You know, put your feet in the, on the ground, humble means humus, means dirt, put your feet on the ground, be a little more humble and come into your connection with others in a way that are values based in this other way. What are the qualities of being and doing that I want to put into my behavior? And if we can do in the same way, what are the qualities of being and doing that I want to put into the behavior of us as a group? What do we want to manifest in the world? And if at the moment you're, you're in that kind of fight inside your church group. And interestingly, pro-social, the pro-social doc, uh, world site has been heavily used uh, by uh, religious and spiritual organizations within the U.S. Uh, and there was just a recent discussion. One of my co-authors, David Sloan Wilson of the book, had a very nice extended uh, discussion with the Dalai Lama. You can go up and, and see it. It happened just last week. And so the spiritual leaders are beginning to recognize, no, there's something really cool going on here with these behavioral scientists and evolutionists trying to put together in a scientific way what produces healthy human beings that can come together in healthy and productive groups. And so I I think you're exactly right, and there's a lesson to be learned from that, isn't there? If, if, if your troop, church group is fighting, see if you can actually look at what the science is showing and look again at your scriptural and, and wisdom and spiritual traditions, and I bet you you actually got guides in there. And I, I've written some books on this, on uh, application of uh, ACT, the work that I do for pastoral counselors and clergy, for example. You can go online and find it. Just search my, for my, my, my name as an author and you'll find it. And, you know, I get letters from pastors and, you know, you know chaplains and counselors 
pastoral councils around the world about how this kind of uh, new perspective on. So it's uh, it's stephenchays.com, and that's where people should go to get all the information and to learn about your books and, and your research as well. Yes. If I can mention, I have a new book that summarizes all this, including the work on pro-social called A Liberated Mind, and it, it's in bail, available in bookstores everywhere just, just out of a few months. It's interesting that fear and threats and things like that can be used to try to manage groups. I mean, you talked about uh, even the context of marriage, that there could be threats in order to get a person's way. Rarely, though, do we learn how to get along and align our values and to think in that term. You know, it seems it's fear-based, power-based, and you see it in work. And then you see companies like maybe Google and they say, hey, well, let's just give them like uh, free food. (laughs) <laughs> you know, breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. Uh, it seems like maybe giving more and you get more as opposed to operating in lack and, and fear, but you certainly see that. I don't know, groups turn out that way because they sometimes it turns into a power thing instead of a, um, what, what would you say a healthy thing is just, uh, again? Yeah, although, you know, I, one thing that, and, that I think can we can learn from. When we make mistakes, almost always there's something we're yearning for that's good and the way that we did it is bad. So for example, if we sort of pretend that we're great and grand or that we're the worst, the worst, lowest, low, and you have to help me, what is inside that? What's inside that I think is the yearning to belong, to be part of the group. It's the way we think we'll get the ticket in. And the the same kind of thing. I mean, the, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the way we kind of, climb into that's not right don't do it this way well part of that is yearning to understand things and be able to to have things fit together and be coherent and make sense those are all good yearnings and so uh, I think we can learn from our mistakes not just that they didn't turn out well but what's inside it is a motivation what what is wrapped around it are the mistakes that uh, uh, we're putting out in our actual behavior so we're getting bad results it's not working well, but it, I think we're kind of uh, able to learn from our mistakes. If you can look for what are you really yearning for, even when you get it wrong, and go back and let's do something different. You keep what? doing what you're doing, you'll get what you're getting, but let's do something different that allows you to put that uh, into the your own heart and mind, then also into your uh, uh, connection and relationships with others. You'll have to forgive me. I think the one word I overlooked was evolutionary. Now, you mentioned Darwin in the book, you know, and so, I mean, could you uh, go a little bit on that as far as like evolutionary science and how does, how is that? Well, you know, when people hear the word evolution, they hear genes and then they hear the genes made me do it and we're just part of the life cycle of genes. And, you know, most people react poor to that and they should. It's really not what drives us. Um, for, I'll give you an, an example. If you engage in some sort of meditation or, or, or silent prayer, the kinds of things that are, uh, all of our major religions encourage, about 7% of your stress-related gene systems are down-regulated. 7% of your entire genome, which is mostly focused on these uh, stress responses, you put yourself in a kinder, more compassionate space, your whole body adjusts to it through this, these things called epigenetics, which are, you know, a variety, about 20 different mechanisms that up and down regulate genes. But what's, what's, it's being turned on and off by our environment and behavior, our values and connections. And so 
I think uh, what is happening is evolutionary science is maturing in a way, and what you mostly have heard, you know, survival of the fittest and you know, tooth and claw and blood and stuff is really not how it works. All complex systems work by having things vary, picking the winners and losers, and finding a way to put it permanently into the systems in a way that fits with the current context and is effective. If you do that with your own behavior, your life unfolds. You do that with your groups, your groups unfold. And so uh, the, the language for it inside evolutionary science is an extended evolutionary synthesis that takes account of culture and values, behavior, environment, genetics, epigenetics. It's not uh, you know, uh, just your uh, DNA, you know, dooming you to this and that. That's so yesterday. We've now fully mapped the human genome, and we know that things that everybody thought was surely just genetic, they are not. They're complex systems that involve many of the things that our spiritual wisdom traditions have been talking about from day one. And, you know, learning that, my colleague, David Sloan Wilson, has, has written a book called Darwin's Cathedral, showing how uh, religious groups, how central they've been to the evolution of effective cultures in the history of humankind. And literally, with, without us coming together in our spiritual traditions, we wouldn't be here today. So uh, I'm excited by this new, fresh openness to evolutionary thinking uh, and ability to use it to do good for the world. So Barbara Streisand was right after all. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. And that's just about all of us, isn't it? <laughs> and then you have the other quote. What is it? Woody Allen, I never joined a club that would allow a person like me to become a member. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Hayes, our special guest, and the book Pro Social, Using Evolutionary Science to Build Productive, Equitable, and Collaborative Groups. Go get it and go on his website, which is stephenchayes.com. Thanks for being on the program. That's awesome as always. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.